0: We are in a sermon series, finding our rhythm, lining up uh, with the heartbeat of God. There is a rhythm to life that that needs to happen for us to be in the zone. And this morning, we're going to begin that series by thinking together about what it means to return to the Lord, uh, or as the Bible would call it, repent. And in a moment, I'm going to be reading from Lamentations, the third chapter, uh, verses 31 through 33, and then 40 and 41. Before I do... Uh, I'd like for us to pause, have some time of silence, a little bit of quiet, uh, to be in God's presence. You may form your own prayer, your own confession, uh, or just be there present to receive what God has for you in these moments, and then I'll lead us in family prayer. Loving and merciful God, We are on this Lenten journey together, and as we are, help us to hear you and help us to open our hearts to all that you have for us. Because when we stand at the foot of the cross, we want to be available to the change that your spirit wants to work in our hearts. Bless our community, this First Baptist community, but the community of Jefferson City and the community of this nation and the world. Bless us with peace and justice. Bless us with wholeness and reconciliation. And to that end, we pray that wars might cease to the end of the earth, that you might bless those personnel serving in the military and those families who are dealing with so much separation. Help us, Lord, as your people, to remember that each person is anointed with infinite value and worth. And so we pray for the sick. We pray for the struggling. We pray for those who are crying, crying on the outside and crying on the inside. Teach us more every day about the brokenness that is our lives and how you can move into that brokenness in a special way. Remake us for your kingdom's sake. And above all, God, with the choir, we pray, have mercy. Have mercy on us. And now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. If you're able, would you stand, please, as I read aloud from Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 31. For the Lord will not reject forever. Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love for he does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts as well as our hands to the God in heaven. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. You may be seated. You know, one of the saddest human experiences is the uh, human experience of a love grown cold. Lots of country western songs, lots of rock songs have been written about a love that's grown cold, and it, it's a sad, kind of nostalgic experience. Uh, the passion and fire of a relationship can fade, whether it's between a couple, or it concerns the job we have, or whether it concerns the church we're a part of, or Our relationship with God. Think how much of Scripture is about refiring and rekindling that love relationship and how much of Scripture is about getting back to our first love. It's a key theme. But to change the image uh, more in line with our sermon theme, another way to think about this is it's so easy for our lives to get out of rhythm with God, for our hearts to not be beating with God's heart. Uh, Athletes talk about the importance of being in rhythm. Runners talk about either feeling the rhythm or not feeling the rhythm. Uh, I was reading, you know, the sports page yesterday or day before, and one of the managers at spring training for baseball said, you know, yeah, my, my ace pitcher got shelled today and they scored a lot of runs on him, but that's what spring training is for. He hasn't found his rhythm yet, the manager said. He hasn't found that rhythm that is his own. I mean, dancers have to get in that rhythm Actors have to get in that rhythm, especially when the dialogue is very rapid fire and they talk about either in rehearsals being in that rhythm or not in that rhythm. Musicians have to be in that rhythm. I mean, you don't want to be in this choir uh, looking at Rod Maples when you get out of rhythm because I've seen his face. It's sort of scary. The look he can give people without speaking a word, if you've not been here, you, you just can't know what it's like. So it's important to be in rhythm. The book of Lamentations is about a people who were out of rhythm with God. They were out of step with God. The book of Lamentations is that cry of the heart for a people that had just been destroyed, literally carried away as slaves by the enemy nation Babylon, modern-day Iraq. They had been um, devastated. They lost their national identity. It was a national crisis, a theological crisis, a social crisis, it was devastation. It was for them destruction. And, and the book of Lamentations, this is something that maybe we can learn. The book of Lamentations is a public record of the recitation, of the reciting of their mourning, the reciting of their lament. It was their season of Lent. Only their Lent did not last 40 days. It lasted 70 years. And just as we read verses our memory verse, and we re- read responsive readings, uh, they, they read, they, they recited together the pain of being out of step with God. And that's how we have this record of that, that terribly painful time and what it means to be out of step with God. Last Sunday, the snow out. That was supposed to be launch Sunday for this special season of spiritual discernment. By the way, one of the things I was going to say in last Sunday's sermon was, uh, God reminds us from time to time we're not in charge. And I sat by the fire last Sunday morning thinking about that, and I thought, yeah, God's got a sense of humor. But the launch Sunday was not just launching the season of Lent. The first Sunday in Lent was Youth Sunday, and so we were going to launch it March 1st. Not just the launch of the season of Lent. The launching of small groups, the spiritual discernment groups that many of you are in that had your first meeting this week. Ours went wonderfully well, the one I was in. But not just the launching of the season of Lent or small groups, but the launching of a process our church is in, discerning God's will together, seeking God's direction. What is God's focus for us the next few years? What is God calling us uh, to be about And spring, summer, fall, we're going to be working on that. And the spiritual discernment during Lent is just the process leading up to that. And all during this process, you're going to hear this question over and over again. Here's our discernment question. What is God calling us to be and do in Jefferson City and the world today? Not yesterday, not some future generation, but today. Now, you may use that as a personal discernment kind of question. But certainly that's the congregational discernment question. What is God calling us to be and to do in Jefferson City today? I think that that's the question in the book of Lamentations. Who are we now, God, that we're not what we used to be? What are you calling us to be and to do in Israel at this time? And so... We ask those questions. There's a mistake that almost every organization makes when it moves into strategy planning. Whatever you do for a job, for a living, I bet you've been through a strategy planning process and reorganization. Uh, There's a mistake that we always make in that kind of organizational process, and that is that we take a few leadership people away on a weekend retreat, decide on a plan, and in six months we share that plan with all of the other people and say, this is our plan, this is what we're doing, get on board. The problem with that is it doesn't involve the grassroots, the worker bees, the people who really are engaged in the mission and the task of the organization. Now, churches compound that problem. We compound that problem because we go away on a retreat, we decide what we want, we tell God instead of ask God, and after we tell God what we're doing, we say, and God, by the way, would you bless this plan? Eugene Peterson has said that it's much easier to tell people what to do than it is to sit with them in a discerning process. It's just cleaner, it's neater, it's tighter, it's faster. Just tell people what to do instead of sitting with them in a discerning process. So we don't want to be that kind of church. It just has about 10 people go away in a retreat and come back and, and say, this is what we're doing. It, it's a process that involves the entire congregation, and it begins with this season of discernment. And uh, to get at that discernment, we have to become acquainted with what Saint, uh, uh, one of the saints of, of, uh, of another day, St. Ignatius, called the prayer for indifference or the prayer of holy indifference He talked about the prayer of holy indifference being praying for God's will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. It is the prayer that, and by the way, indifference may be a turn off word. You may think of indifference as apathy, but that's not what this means the prayer for indifference. In fact, it's the opposite. Sometimes we care too much, we care about our selfish outcomes, we care about our selfish plans. And we want things to come out the way we would like them to come out. But the prayer for holy indifference says, no, everything's on the table, God. I'm willing to give up everything. It's the prayer of Jesus. Not my will, but yours be done. Is there anything we need to set aside so that we can be open to what God wants? What needs to die in us in order that God's will might be coming forth in our life? That's the prayer for indifference, the prayer of holy indifference. That's how God gets our agenda up and to be dealt with. I have in the front of my devotional Bible uh, at home a prayer of examine, uh, E-X-A-M-E-N. It's a modification. I don't pray it every day, but it's a It's a prayer that I use from time to time. It's a prayer of examine where we can look at our hearts. And I thought of that when I read verse 40 of our text from Lamentations 3. Let us test and examine our ways. Let us test and examine our ways. And that prayer of examine that I have in my devotional Bible is is a prayer that that asks these these four things. Where have I experienced God today? You can pray this at the end of the day. Or you can pray at the beginning of the day, thinking about yesterday. Where have I experienced God today? Was there a joyful time in my life today? And if so, where was God in that? Was there a time of struggle in my life today? And if so, where was God in that? And then finally, what was God nudging me toward today? Was God nudging me toward anything special and different today? Now, I want you to think about those I'm just showing us that there are so many tools and practical disciplines. Think what would change in our life focus if we would pray the prayer of examine and, and pray Lamentations 340, let us test and examine our ways. Think what would open up in terms of how we see God working. And by the way, there's a verse of Scripture that talks about this, and it's Psalm uh, 104, 105, 4 Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for His works. Be alert for signs of His presence. I've shared this verse with you before, but think what would change in our hearts and our attitudes if we were looking for God sightings. All the times that God is working, but we don't see it because we're so stuffed with our agenda. But to be alert to those God sightings in the midst of pain or in the midst of discernment or in the midst of anything else that might be going on. Now, I have a word of warning for us. The prayer of examine, the prayer for indifference, spiritual discernment process, none of that means anything if we're not willing to repent. Repent. And the last part of that, verse 40 from Lamentations 3, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. The word return in the Hebrew is that word that's used so often in the Hebrew Scriptures. That is the word that's translated repent. It means to reverse course. It means to change our behavior. And one of my favorite definitions of that word repent is to come home again. To come back home where we belong. Karl Barth, the great theologian, said that the last wall that has to be destroyed in the human heart is the wall that protects our egos. It's the wall that's there and and it must crumble if we are ever to be able to pray that prayer for indifference, to be open to wherever God is leading It is that that wall that, that helps us come up with justifications and excuses and rationalizations. And that wall is the last wall, that wall that's protecting our ego. Now, repentance is not the same as regret. You know, regret is being sorry you got caught. Or regret is sorry that it happened. But regret is focused on the past. Repentance is focused on the future. Repentance is dealing with the past so that the future opens us up for us. Remember how Jesus, his first sermon according to Mark, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Return, turn around from where you're going and turn around because God's kingdom, there's a party waiting. It's what's ahead of us. So repentance opens up the future. If you've been doing the uh, daily devotions, the 40 Days of Prayer uh, that have been dropped in your email box each day, or if you have a hard copy of the booklet. Didn't you just love that image uh, that Mark Tidsworth shared of the trapeze artist? She's swinging on the first trapeze bar, and she cannot embrace the new that's coming toward her until she lets go of the one she's holding on to right now. She can't do both. In order to experience the new, She has to have the courage to let go of the old and turn. What a graphic description of how repentance opens us up to the future. But wait a minute. Time out. Maybe that's why we don't want to repent, because repentance brings change. Maybe that's why we don't want to do the spiritual discernment season because we're afraid God might change us or change the church. Change is hard. I've got a bookmark that somebody, probably one of you gave me. It's a Dilbert comic strip bookmark. And Dilbert says, uh, change is good. You go first. You know, Janet's not in this service. She'll be in 1045. She can tell you. I I whine about change. We'll go to our favorite restaurant, and I'll say, oh, they've changed the menu again. I can't find anything. They don't don't have what I used to like to order. (laughs) I'm just saving the trouble of talking to her, okay? We don't like change. We like things the way they are. But here's the irony. The gospel is all about change. Repentance is all about change. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. It's all about change. Frederick Beekner once said that maybe what needs to happen to the church is for a great tidal wave of history to come along and wash away all of our church buildings, all of our church budgets, all of our church structures, all of our human plans. He said maybe a tidal wave needs to come and wash all of that away to to the point where all we have left is each other and Christ. And then he said, after all, that's all we ever had in the first place. Each other in Christ. That's where the people of God were in Lamentations. Everything, a tidal wave of human history had come along and stripped away everything except God and each other. And so they got to start over. This is what it means to walk with God, to have our, our, our hearts in rhythm with God. Find out where God is working and join God in that. And to come to the place where we can pray that prayer of indifference, all we have left is each other and Jesus. That's all we ever had in the first place. So let's just live it and do it. We're going to do our response time differently during this season of Lent. Uh, We're going to practice the discipline of silence. I know we do it before the sermon, but we're going to do it before the response time. And we're going to learn the uncomfortable experience, but the helpful experience of silence uh, while we're together. So first of all, I want you to stand and I want the musicians to come to their places. And I'll explain to you just very briefly what I want us to do. We're going to stand for a moment and... uh, for one minute, when I when I give you the mark time, uh, we're going to stand in silence. No one's talking. There's no music. We're going to be in silence together as you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, as you speak with God, as you may need. Now, when we begin the music, our response time, if you are here this morning and you are ready for that new relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, you want to step across that line and and Come to experience him for the first time. Some of us will be here at the front to pray with you and to help you. If you want to join our church, if you want to come and pray about a particular need in your life, uh, we welcome you to come.